Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Seven years. Seven is a significant number um, in scripture. The, the, it means completion and perfection. And God created the heavens and the earth and rested. Uh, it took seven days. Jesus spoke seven statements on the cross when he was in agony before he'd completed his earthly duties. The Lord's Prayer contains seven petitions uh, to the Father. And today is a significant day because we have completed a chapter of Soul Church. And there is a brand new chapter that begins this week. Chantal and I have never been more aware of just how people are questioning a lot of things in their lives right now. God, church, their values, this week, politics, the people who lead us, everyone we're questioning what we believe, where we stand on certain issues. And there is no doubt about it that there has been a crisis of faith in our world. COVID has been a huge reset for many of us. And I've questioned so much about life. I've questioned my own faith. I've questioned the way we do things in church, why we do them, do we need to do them. I've questioned my leadership. I've questioned so many things like we all have because we've had so much more time to analyze life and the world. The world has changed, but Jesus hasn't changed. The mission on earth has not changed. What's changed is me. And I've seen the detrimental effects that isolation has had on our church, has had on society. Whenever you're building up to a milestone, especially a seven-year birthday with the significance it is in Scripture, I'm always saying to God, God, what do you want me to speak? And sometimes I'm already planning what I'm going to speak on Vision Sunday in January next year. I always like to plan and speak, and I'm asking God, and I was fighting for weeks and weeks, what do you want me to speak today? And I heard nothing from God. Nothing. Didn't get a word, didn't get anything, and I'm battling, and then... Ten days ago, I was just about to speak to our staff, and I felt God gave me a word. But it wasn't a word that God gave me. It was something that I needed to give to God. Instead of God giving me something today, I want to give him something. The Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And today, this is my gift to God. This is my present to God for his goodness and his faithfulness to me and I pray my prayer today is that my gift to God will also be a gift to you and the gift to you you will give back to God so I decided to write something called my rededication my rededication many of you are followers of Christ you you put your hand up on a summer camp you put your hand up in a church service weeks months years maybe decades ago and you dedicated your life to Christ and it was a life-changing moment for you But I'm also aware that sometimes our relationship with God can grow cold. Sometimes it can dry up. Sometimes we can feel distant and far from Him. 
And so I wrote something to rededicate my life to God, to his church, to Chantel, to my children. I wrote a rededication of my life, and this is my gift to God today. I'm going to ask the team to hand it out because I put it together on this, this flyer, which I'd love you to keep as a reminder and maybe put it inside your Bible or put it on your fridge, but this is a rededication, and we're just going to talk the way through it, and I'm going to read it out to you as they pass around, and I want you to try and grasp um, what's happening here. I'm going to read it out in just a second. Rededication, growing up in church, means something very different to what I'm talking about today. We never had a full understanding of God's grace And so every time we messed up, we felt that we had to tell God we're sorry and forgive our sins in that moment every time. I mean, I remember getting on an airplane when I was 18 years old and just before I was about to fly, I was like, Lord, if I've got any sin in my heart, I pray that you'll forgive me right now. I'm sorry for teasing my big sister. I'm sorry for upsetting the dog on the way out. I'm sorry for the way I spoke to my dad. And please forgive me in case this plane crashes and I go to hell. (laughs) Does anybody remember those moments? But now we have an understanding of God's grace which forgives our past, our present, and our future sins. So this isn't what I'm talking about today because God's grace, the Bible says he's removed our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. So this is not a prayer of salvation today. This, and by the way, I do believe that you can disconnect from God, by the way. So this isn't a once saved, always saved message, so don't hang me on that. This is God, I want to rededicate my life to you and your church. Romans 12 was written by Paul urging the church to resist the urge to pull back from their faith and their commitment to God and to continually rededicate himself to the Lord. This is what he says before we read this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters in Soul Church, he doesn't say that, in view of God's mercy to offer your lives as a living sacrifice. What is that? It's a continual rededication, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Living sacrifice. Paul is saying as as long as we are alive, we are to dedicate, rededicate our lives as a sacrifice to God. It's not enough just to put your hand up in a moment and say, I want to become a Christian. It's a daily saying, I want to dedicate my life to God. You know, there's been a lot of things about the church which haven't been holy and have not been pleasing to God over the past few years. That's why we're seeing a purifying and a sanctifying of the church worldwide. And God has used this season to remove some things that are not holy and acceptable and pleasing to him. And he says, this is an act of worship. Church is not just a social club. Church is just not a cool club. Church is something that should be holy and set apart and pleasing to God. And so I want to read my rededication. Father God, today I rededicate my life to the cause of Jesus Christ and his church. I recognize over the past few months I may have grown weary, tired, and even lukewarm in my passion for you. Today, I rededicate my life to seeing others find hope through the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. Whilst there are people alive around me going to a lost eternity, my mission on earth is not accomplished. 
I rededicate myself to a life of humility and compassion, serving the hurting and the broken in our city and beyond. I am determined to live by the truth of your word, even when it's uncomfortable and goes against popular opinion. God, give me wisdom and strength to navigate the days ahead. I will not give up, let up, or quit. I have gone past the point of no return. I rededicate my commitment to living a life of uncompromising faith and risk. Don't tell me he can't do it. I've seen him do it before and I'll know he'll do it again. I rededicate my marriage and my commitment to raising my children in God's word and God's house, even when it's easy to find an excuse to stay away. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My devotion in this life is not for fame or fortune, platform or position, but to simply know you more. My life is yours. My gift is yours. My future is yours. I offer my life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. I have decided that I will not live a small, insignificant, comfortable life. Only the gospel matters now. This is my rededication to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, if you're saying today, I'm going to rededicate my life, this is your moment. And I've broken this down. I've broken this down into seven segments called my passion, my mission, my compassion, my determination, my dedication, my devotion, and my decision. And this is my gift to God today for the past seven years, is a rededication of my life to Him. My passion. Romans 1.16, and we've not got a lot of time, so we're going to move through these quite quickly, but the first segment is my passion. A lot of people have lost their passion for God. Paul said this, he said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And God, I am praying, I am praying that we as a church, we have a fresh passion for him. I might lose my hair eventually. I might lose my six-pack. The one I never had. I might lose my fashion sense. But God, I pray that we never lose our passion. I pray that we can dig deep and find a fresh passion for God. One of my favorite characters in days of old in the 1700s was John Wesley. He wrote over 10,000 songs and sermons. It's pretty staggering, isn't it? He saw hundreds of thousands of people find Christ. In this city, he saw many people. He said this. He said this to a, a young group of scholars. He said, catch on fire with enthusiasm and passion, and people will come from miles to watch you burn. You want to do something at university, if you want to do something in school, in your workplace, ask God to fill you with a passion. Let me tell you, passion is contagious. People will come from far to watch you on fire for God. Philip Adam is the, the president of the Atheists Association in Australia. He was invited to speak at the Assemblies of God conference a few years ago. Imagine inviting an atheist to come and speak at your conference. And this is how he opened up the conference. He says, for Christians to believe what they believe and not be passionate about it is the highest form of blasphemy. For Christians to believe what they believe and not be passionate about it 
Now, I'm not saying I completely agree with his choice of words, but I think we get the gist. We've got to get a fresh passion. We cannot allow COVID. We cannot allow the people in our street. We cannot allow the naysayers, the people who want to pull us down, for us to lose our passion. I'm not going to allow the letters that arrive in Soul Church's mailbox to steal my passion. We've got to keep a passion for God. I love being around passionate people. Why? Because it rubs off on me. 2017, I was in Los Angeles, and I went to watch the Los Angeles Dodgers via the New York Yankees. And uh, this pastor, is an amazing pastor, he said, uh, we're going to take you to a game. And I said, well, there's only one thing. If you'll take me to a stadium, I want to sit in the most passionate stand. I'd want to be with the people with the golf claps. I want to be in the stand where the atmosphere is. Why? Because it rubs off on me. Oh, we had the best night. LA got absolutely slaughtered. But that was a fantastic night. Why? Because I want some of it. I want some of it. I want to encourage you when you come to worship God at church, worship with passion. When you're receiving the word, receive it with passion. When you're giving, you give with passion. I'm speaking passion today. I'm passionate about what God has done in the last seven years, but I'm even more passionate of what God is going to do in the future. If you've lost your passion, I pray as Paul said today, you will find a fresh passion for God. Secondly, my mission. I dedicate my life to seeing others find hope through the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. While there are people around me on this earth going to a lost eternity, my mission is not accomplished. You know, Chantal and I, we said from the outset in 2014 when we pioneered Seoul that we refuse to pioneer or refuse to go after a church that does not go after the lost. Who would agree that every person that you know in your life would live a vastly better life if they knew Jesus? Come on, let's just have a show of hands. The people, your family, if they knew Jesus, their life would be better. Do you know what the enemy wants us to do? He wants us to get our eyes off that onto us. 20 years ago or 25 plus years ago now, I, was, I asked myself this big question. I think it's the question that most people ask, and it was this. What is the, big, what is the number one reason I'm on planet Earth? What is the number one reason I'm on planet Earth? What was the one thing, the something that I was going to give my life for? And I remember walking through this fine city, and it is a fine city, 25 plus years ago. And it was, God gave me the answer, and it was this, people who face a lost eternity. People who face a lost eternity. I'm going to be talking a lot about this next week. Chantal and I, we've decided to devote the entirety of our life, not just an hour on a Sunday, and devote our lives to people finding eternal life in Jesus. Do you know what? If you've been coming to church for a while, it does not matter if you never hear another message, another series, another podcast, if you never read another blog, it's okay because your eternal salvation is secure. But that is not the case for people around you in your workplace. That is why I've written my rededication today because I feel personally I've just lost a little of the edge of my evangelistic streak. And today I'm rededicating my call to people who have gone into a lost eternity. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four says the Pharisees got together, one of them an expert in the law. Be careful of experts. Anyone who calls himself an expert. Tested him with the question. says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hangs on these two commandments. Everything hangs on these two pivotal instructions here. Loving Jesus and loving others. If you're saying, I don't, want to, I don't know what God's called me to do in my life, it's really simple. Love God, love others. Everything else will work itself around those two calling. You're called to university primarily to love God and love others. Your degree is secondary. You're called into your business not to try and get a promotion. You're called into your business to love God and love others. Everything else flows out of that. The first commandment is this. Love the Lord your God. It's the vertical relationship and everything in our life flows from that relationship. We can't reach the lost if we're lost. But the next part is love your neighbor as yourself. Now one of the reasons that society finds itself in a real mess right now is because Christians got really good at this. Vertical. Love the Lord your God. And we forgot the next part, which was love your neighbor horizontal as yourself. I'm so glad in this pandemic, why we honored the, the guys we did today is because the church has done this in the pandemic. The church hasn't just done this, it's just done that. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was hung on a Roman cross? What does a Roman cross signify? It signifies a vertical relationship and a horizontal relationship. When Jesus hung on the cross, he was actually fulfilling the commandments. He was pointing to us saying, this is what our lives are meant to do, simply to love God and to love others. And we spent so much of our time getting spiritually overweight and we made church all about us. Oh, you need to give me more meat of the word, John. No, you need to get out into your street. You need to get out into your community. You need to find someone who does not know the love of Jesus, get a fresh passion and begin to share the good news of Christ. It's not our job to feed you. It's our job to empower you to get out there and help people who are going to a lost eternity. I'm finding my passion again. Love is a verb. Love demands action. I cannot silently love Chantel. The single greatest gift we can give someone in this earth is an introduction to our Heavenly Father. Pointing people to Jesus is the best use of your life. I'm going to ask a question because it's a question that's really been bothering me this week. And it's this, who will be in heaven because of me? It's a tough one. But this is why I wrote this dedication to God. This is my mission. My mission is to seeing people find hope in Jesus. Third thing is my compassion. I rededicate myself to a life of humility and compassion in serving the hurting and the broken in our city and beyond. I'm so proud of our church, as I've said already, but in all of this, you can still lose your compassion. Let me explain. I'm not talking about our church collectively is not compassionate, because we are compassionate. You've just seen India, you've heard about what's been happening on our streets and our foundation. And the reality is our foundation is compassionate, but we can all ride off the kudos of that. We can all hide behind soul foundation. Now, you've got to hear where I'm going here. Luke 10.30 says, A man was down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm actually going to rename it the parable of compassion. 
A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by some robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan traveled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. It's a fascinating story, isn't it? It's a fascinating story because why did the two religious people who knew all about God, who had their vertical relationship with God intact, why did they cross over? Why did they ignore the plight of this Samaritan man? They saw a guy dying on the side of the road but didn't do anything. Just park that one story and let me pick up another story. In the 1960s in Queens, in New York, a young woman was brutally mugged and murdered. This act of violence took 30 minutes. Later on, they found out that 38 people on the street and in the apartment blocks around watched this atrocity take take place. And not one of them did anything. How could that happen? We're all sitting there thinking, how could that happen? Who just thought, how could that happen? Let me explain how that happens. I mean, that is inhumane. So psychologists began to study, and what they discovered was something called bystander effect. Bystander effect. Which means if you or I walk down the street and one person is in trouble and there's no one else around, that one person's getting beaten up, maybe that one person is asking for money, for some food, the chances are high that we will do something about it. If there is one person in trouble and there's one person watching, we will do something. But if we walk down the street and someone is asking for money or someone is in trouble or there is a fight breaking out and maybe there's 20, 30, 40 people around, I'm a lot likely to step in and help. Why? It's called responsibility diffusion. Responsibility always dilutes in a larger group. Because we always imagine someone else has called the police. Someone else has got some money. Someone else will drop the food parcel off. Someone else will pack the box. Someone else will buy the coffee. Someone else will give. The problem is, in a big church and responsibility diffusion effect can take place. You see a marriage in trouble, straight away you think, well, they've got a marriage department, pastoral care, they'll take care of that. I can just diffuse myself from the situation. They've got staff who are able to sort that out. I I can just go home and have my Sunday roast because we're part of Soul Church and we can fall under the banner. Actually, I got challenged by this as the pastor of this church, whose crisis am I in? Whose crisis are you in? Because it's easy, it's actually easy to put 20 pound in the offering plate and feel good. But whose crisis are we really in? Who are we really looking out for? We can't have the attitude of I don't really need to do that because I'm a church that does that. God, break my heart again 
for what breaks yours. And this is my rededication to God, saying, God, I, as much as I'm a part of something great and I'm a part of something big, God, don't diffuse my compassion, my heart, because someone in my city, someone in my world, someone needs a phone call. It doesn't matter what my position is, my title is, it doesn't matter any of that. We can all help someone. Do you know if everybody helped someone, everybody would be helped? Everybody would be helped. Number four is my determination. I'm going to have to move through these quickly. I know they're all sermons on their own, but I'm determined to live to the truth of your word even when it's uncomfortable. When it goes against popular opinion, God, give me wisdom and strength to navigate the days ahead. This is my, my, my rededication when it comes to truth. Jesus said, he says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How can we expect people to be free if they don't know the truth? How can we expect people to be free if they only know half the truth? Church has gone silent on certain issue, which, issues which is causing the church far more damage than we realize. And I am determined that we will talk about injustice, even though it's uncomfortable. We will not be quiet when it comes to racism, prejudice, homophobia. None of those things have a place in our church or society. But we've got to speak up more. We will be the voice for those unborn babies who don't have one. We will talk about heaven and hell. We're not just going to give you half the picture of eternity. Because people deserve the truth. About what the Bible says on eternity. People have a right to know, not second guess, where we stand as a church on big issues. God, give us wisdom as we navigate the days ahead. I will not give up, let up, or quit. I have gone past the point of no return. I rededicate my commitment to living a life of uncompromising faith and risk. Don't tell me he can't do it. I've seen him do it before, and I'll know he can do it again. We will keep taking risks in Soul Church. I was asked a couple of years ago, what was the biggest regret since you started Soul Church? got plenty. I said, which one do you want? Honestly, hands down, the biggest regret is not taking more risks. Because every time we've taken risks and we've had a piece about them, God's come through. We're going to keep taking risks. wonder what you'd attempt in your life today if you knew it wouldn't fail. What would you attempt in your life if you knew it couldn't fail? All we're responsible for is obedience. God is responsible for the outcome. All we're responsible for is being obedient to what God has called us to do. You know, you can have three attitudes. We all fall into one of three attitudes in life. First attitude towards life is the undertaker, looking backwards to what was. And then there's the caretaker, who take care of everything around us. But then there's a risk taker, looking forward to everything that God's got in front of us. I pray as a church we'll always have the attitude that we're a risk-taking church. Yes, we'll be caretakers, we'll be stewards. Yes, we'll have an undertaker's attitude from time to time where we honor the past, but we've got to keep taking risks into our God-given future. My dedication, I rededicate myself to my marriage and commit to raising my children in God's word and God's house. 
even when it's easy to find an excuse to stay away. Joshua 24, verse 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Husbands, men, it's not my house, then me, it's me and then my house. We lead the charge. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is, this is my dedication. I rededicate myself to Chantel. We are committed to one another. Do we have challenging times in our marriage? Yes, of course we do, we're human. Okay, I have to put up with a lot of her stuff. <laughs> but we're committed to one another. We're committed to never saying the D word, the divorce word, in our house. We're committed to never saying the word separate. However heated it gets, however the challenges build up, and we never say those words because words have power. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. We don't make threats to one another. And I'm making a fresh dedication today in my marriage in year 16. We're going to keep moving forward. We owe it to you guys. We owe it to one another. We're going to model prayer in our home. We model communion in our home. We model unity in our home. This is my dedication to my family. I'm going to keep bringing my kids to church even when my son wants to be somewhere else. He's going to keep being found in his house. Our kids... Our kids are on our journey, and they're going to thank us for them one day. We're not on their journey, even though we love them. I'm sorry if this is black and white today, but this is my rededication to the Lord, because I want my children in 20 years' time to sit, be sitting where you are. As for me and my house, this is my devotion. My devotion in this life is not fame or fortune, platform or position, but simply to know you more. My life is yours. My gifts are yours. My future is yours. I offer my life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. My devotion. My devotion is simply, I'll keep coming to God. I'll keep coming to God on my good days. I'll keep coming to God on my, on my challenging days. I didn't learn much in school. But one thing I did learn was a positive current plus a positive current equals no power. Two positives, you get no, no, no power. A negative current plus a negative current, you get no power. But a positive current plus a negative current, you get a big bang. And if I come to God, a positive God, because that's who God is, and I'm full of pride, and I'm like, God, you need to do it this way, and God, you need to sort it out, and you need to, and I've got pride, and I'm feeling all positive, and I'm trying to lead Soul Church in my own strength, and God's like, whoa, 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 there's no power. Pride stops power in churches. But when I humble myself before God, and I say, God, it's not my, not my will. I can't do this anymore. I've messed up. I'm weak. I fell short. And I bring my negative to his positive. Here's what happens. We get a reaction of power in God's life. And God's great grace is attracted and attached to your great weakness. And if you're saying, God, I've run out of power in my life, you've got to humble yourself before God. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Wait for this. Therefore, most gladly, I'll rather boast in my infirmities. Why? That the 
power of Christ may rest upon you. If you want the power of God in your life, you gotta humble yourself before God and say, God, I am weak. I am nothing without you. I can't do this in my own strength. And suddenly your weakness attaches to his strength and there is an outburst of power in your business, in your life, in your marriage, in your family. But it starts by humbling yourself before God. And my devotion is this, is to know Jesus more and to know the power at work within me. And finally is my decision as the team come up. I have decided I will not live a small, insignificant, comfortable life. Only the gospel matters now. I will not give up. I will not let up or quit on. I have gone past the point of no return. This is my rededication to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want everyone to stand to your feet. And if you're saying today, John, I'm in. Maybe some of that stuff you're saying, I've got some of that, but some of that I just need to rededicate my life. That was my gift to God today. Who's going to join me in rededication to God? You're saying, God, online, just put, yes, I'm in. Yes, I'm in. Yes, I'm in. You're saying today, I rededicate my life. I realize I've lost a little bit of my passion. My mission has gone. My compassion, my determination, my dedication, my devotion, my decision today. I'm, I'm realigning myself with you, God. I realize maybe I've lost my way in COVID. Maybe I've gone into some thinking. Maybe I've been hurt. Maybe I've been hurt by a previous leader, a pastor, a church politician, you've been hurt. You've lost your passion, but you're saying today, God, give me a fresh determination. I'm going to rededicate my life to you. I'm going to go right back to the start. As Paul Paul said to the church in Ephesus, in Romans, sorry, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. Aren't you grateful that God finds us in his mercy today? To offer your life as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our act of worship. Worship isn't jumping up and down. Worship isn't just singing along. Worship is going, God, I dedicate my family, my marriage, my mission. You're saying today, I'm going to dim the lights a little in the room. and We're saying today, this is our rededication moment. Saying, John, I rededicate my life to Christ and his church. I want you to lift your hands right now. I may have grown cold. I may have pulled back. I may have got involved in a relationship or got involved in something that's pulling me away. But today I rededicate my life. You're not getting saved again. You are saved by grace. Saying, break my heart for what breaks yours. This is holy and pleasing to God. If you want to believe, please God. This is holy and pleasing to Him. Father, we come before you today. We bring our weakness. We bring our imperfection. We bring our pain, our past, our brokenness. We bring it all before you. And we attach it to your great mercy. We thank you, God. This is pleasing to you. We're sorry for being so 
lukewarm in our faith. We're sorry, Father God, for maybe growing weary and tired in our passion for you. But today we say we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So Father, I pray today for a fresh passion over your church, a fresh passion over your church. Lord, I pray for those who've lost their passion. Today, Lord, you would stir up your spirit, Father God. We thank you, God. Pray for our mission on this earth. We're sorry for when we've got so distracted and we've made our own mission, the mission. But today our mission is lost people. And Father, we pray that you'd give us opportunity to share the good news with others in our street, in our university, in our school. I pray that we wouldn't be scared of speaking the truth. Father, I pray that there would be a boldness that will come over Christians again. Father, in days gone old, we would go to the lions, we would go to the cross, we would go, Father, we would take one for the team. And Lord, I pray that Christians would stand together. Father, in these last days, I pray that you would give us wisdom and boldness and confidence, Father. I pray, Father God, you would help us navigate conversations, navigate what's ahead. I pray as a church, we'd always build on the truth of your word. In Jesus' name. I pray you'd protect this church. You'd protect us from every attack, Father God. From anyone who's trying to tear down the church, I thank you that the church of the living God is alive and it is well. I thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Come on, is anyone feeling a fresh passion for Jesus this day? Come on, this is our rededication moment to him. Hallelujah. Come on, let's begin to worship. Hallelujah. Right now at this moment, I believe that Jesus is literally walking up and down every row. He's walking into every home. Wherever you are right now, online or in the room, young person, student, older person, Maybe you've come back today after not being in church for a long time. Maybe you've heard that message today and something has stirred deep within your soul that yes, you've responded just now, but you need to know without a doubt that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. See, Jesus is walking down every aisle looking for those whose hearts will respond to Him. He's reaching out with arms of love. All humanity He loves with a never-ending love. The Bible says that He loved the world. God so loved the world, you and I, that He sent His Son. That whoever believes, and believes is just acknowledging, I'm going to give you a moment just now to say, yes, I believe. I might not have all the answers, but that's where faith is, is taking a step of faith even when you don't fully understand, even when you don't fully know God loves you. He sees you in that room in here right now. You see, the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation, the gift of forgiveness of sins is almost too good to be true. You know, when you see something advertised and you think there's got to be something wrong here, there's got to be a, a catch. There's no catch. Salvation is free. 
but it requires a response from us that says yes to Jesus. Yes to sin forgiven. Yes to meaningful. See, every heart is looking for meaning. Every heart is looking for belonging. Every heart is looking for fulfillment. And we can try and fill that with human relationship or with legacy or with material possessions or achievement, but nothing can fill that gap of knowing the one that created us. He loves you. Could I ask that every head be bowed and every eye be closed in this room? I want to extend this invitation in these closing moments. And I'm going to ask if you're saying yes to Jesus for the first time, yes to forgiveness of sin, yes to I no longer want to go my way. I want to choose your way. At the end of this COVID season, as we're coming out, everybody's trying to make sense of their future. And right now this will pave the future for you, the right foundation of knowing Jesus, the one who holds the world together, the one that is preparing a place for you for eternity. Don't put it off. Today is your day. Today is a decision. Or maybe you've once served God, but you've walked away. Maybe just through your own choices or maybe other people have hurt you and offended you and it's caused you to walk away from God. Jesus is extending His arms right now and He's saying, come to me. Come to me, you're weary. I want to give you rest. I want to give you peace. I want to bring meaning and hope. I want to bring healing. If that's you all across this room and online, Across this room, I'd love you to raise your hand after three, young person, older person. You might have come with someone today. You might have been coming for a long time, but you know you need to get your life right with God. And we're gonna pray a very significant but a powerful prayer just before we leave. But I want to know who I'm including in this powerful prayer. If that's you, you know, because your heart will be beating a bit faster. You know, that's me. You might not have all the answers, but take your step of faith right now. After three, one. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand high enough and long enough for me to see two, three. That's it, all across the room, from one side to the other, from the front to the back. Thank you. Thank you over there. Thank you at the back. Thank you there. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's keep clapping. There's many raising their hands. And the reason our church are clapping for you online and in the room is it's the most significant response you will ever make in your whole life. And it's why we exist as Soul Church. And so we would love to give you a gift. We would love to give you a beautiful Bible. See, a Bible, this isn't going to make you a Bible basher. It's going to give you a manual for life. It's a love letter. It's the opportunity to get to know Jesus. It's a momentum to make today's occasion special. So even if you already have a Bible, those of you that raised your hand, as you walk out, our team will be waving these Bibles. And we would love for you to say, catch their eye and say, yeah, I prayed that prayer. Even if you prayed the prayer but didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer and meant it for the first time, or if you rededicated your life, we would love to give you a Bible and just get your email or a contact number so we can cheer you on in the week and encourage you. And online, there's a text message, a a SMS that you can um, text or pop your details online so we can also contact you and cheer you on because we can't do this on our own. We can try, but it's way better when you've got other people to help you and encourage you on the journey. Is that all right? Is that good? We love you. God loves you. And you've made a great decision today. So thank you. 
Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.